chat after the service, sign up after the service, do all that good stuff. Come on in. Last week, uh, we began to look at a verse in Proverbs that's kind of like the keynote verse for us, which says this, the blessing of the Lord makes rich and it adds no sorrow with it. And I wanted specifically to look at the fact that we are, by virtue of our faith in Jesus Christ, the spiritual seed of Abraham and all of the inheritance that God promised to Abraham is ours today because of that faith in Jesus Christ. And my bigger purpose that I wanted you to catch is simply this. Every one of us, by virtue of our faith in Jesus Christ, have a place that we fit in. Too many of us live our lives wishing we could fit somewhere, feeling like we're the odd cog out, like there's something wrong. But the truth is, when you have faith in Jesus Christ, you fit into His family. And there's not a one of you here today that at some point in time doesn't have somebody who lights up your life. Who when you see them, something happens inside of you. There's like an internal smile that happens. And when they're not there, there's a void. You feel like there's an emptiness that's just not right. I was thinking this morning, uh, and I know that they were here last week, but Sam and Ashley walked in after a long hiatus. I mean, they were basically backslidden all summer long. Um, No, they weren't. I'm kidding. They were up at Tupper at the cabin. And last week they came, and then they But as they walked in today, I thought, isn't it great to have them back here with us? Because this is home. And so you see them, and inside, even if you don't do it outside, maybe you didn't even talk to them, but something in you smiles because they're not here. It just doesn't seem right because this is home, and you ought to be home. That's the, the point of what I wanted you to get last week. And, and the, the letters that I use, just because it's my kind of thing, is, is I put it in the same letters, is that we are people of the blessing. The blessing is we get to fit in somewhere. We get family. But then secondly, it's not just that there is a people of blessing, there's a period of blessing. And we saw that it's timeless. That for us who are in Christ, the same promises that God gave to Abraham are as real for us as they were for him. And all of that was last week, and you get that online if you weren't here for that. You can grab that. Uh, Luke can help you in the back there. He can help you to figure out how to get online to get to that. But all of that was last week. Today, I want to pick up with something else. If you want to turn to Genesis 12, I want you to see that not only is there a people of blessing, not only is there a period of blessing, but there is a place where that blessing occurs. You can't just turn to any channel. You can't tune into any station and expect to get the blessing of the Lord. It happens in a specific place in a specific way. There's like a place where the soil is fertile for the seed of the blessing to come. So, Genesis chapter 12, if you could follow along, and I know, I'm pretty sure it'll be up on the screen. Uh, It says this, Now the Lord had said to Abram, and this is, Abram is the guy that you probably know of as Abraham. When, When we start hearing about him, he starts as Abram, which means father, but then God changes his name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. So, 
God says to Abraham, to Abram, get out of your country. By the way, where was this country? How many of you guys know where his country is? I'm sorry, what? Middle East, okay, specific. Ur of? Of the Chaldeans, thank you. So he says, you're going to get out of your country, out of Ur of the Chaldeans, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. God tells Abraham, it's going to happen. You're going to be blessed, but it's not going to happen where you are. And for Abraham, that meant a geographic move. I'm not so sure that the principle holds exactly true that way for us. In fact, I'm pretty sure most often it doesn't. But there has to come some sort of shift inside of us that is as significant as a geographic move. I believe what God is saying is we can't expect to live under the blessings of the Lord if we continue to live under old systems. Let me say it again. You can't expect the blessing of the Lord to overtake you. Remember the Scripture we read last week? It's actually going to come down upon you like rain. You can't expect that to happen if you continue to live the same old way that you used to. The old systems, the old values. You can't move forward in God if you continue to look back. Somebody said once that the reason why your um, rearview mirror is so small and your windshield is so big is that where you've been is not as important as where you're going. God has vision and purpose. There's not a one of you in this room that doesn't have things that you can remember that you have done where you've blown it. Maybe for some of you, you came out of a life of rampant sin into God. Or maybe for some of you, you're like my father-in-law who used to, when he would teach, would say things like, I have sinned far more as a Christian than I ever did before I was a Christian. Of course, for him, he became a Christian at four years old. <laughs> but maybe that's true for you. Maybe you've blown it. But the grace of God is such that we're going someplace. We're going forward in God. It's not so much what we have done. It's that His grace is changing us, he says, from glory to glory. To fall back into old patterns and the ruts of our lives and expect a different result is just, it's like a form of insanity. But here in verse 1 of chapter 12 of Genesis, the Lord says three things to Abram. He says, number one, get out of your country. And in your notes, you might put that for me. I'm going to call that culture. The way of life. The value systems. Get out of your culture. Number two, he says, leave your family. Or some of your translations might say, leave your kindred. Or the first four letters of the word kindred is kind. Leave the kinds of things that used to captivate your heart. And then finally, number three, he says, he wants you to come out from your father's house. If you're going to move forward into the blessing of the Lord, you have to cut off hereditary bondages. And I want to take a moment and just explain each one of those three to you. So I want to start with culture, if I could. Culture, I believe, is God calling us out of the dominion of the systems and values that dominate everything around us. Have you noticed lately that all of the rhetoric, all of the talk on a political level has become more schismatic than ever before? Have you noticed 
that it's become so polarized that it's not safe to even say what you think anymore because somebody's going to lambaste you. That's part of the value system that has begun to cultivate itself and grab hold of our nation so that it's no longer you can think differently and together we actually have a more composite picture. Now it becomes a point of hatred, of separation, of discrimination that is rampant within our culture. Now, uh, contrary to popular belief, where Abram was from, which is Ur of the Chaldeans, was actually in its day considered a very modern society. In its day, it was considered like a first world civilization. They had it all. So it's not like he was living out in the desert doing nothing. No, this was a very modern place. And God says to Abraham, in order for you to get where I want you to be, I have to get you out of that system of thinking and that way of life. Uh, it's almost like he's saying, the culture has so embedded itself in your soul that the only way I can break you free is a geographic move. Now, as we move forward into our lives and into New Testament Christianity, if you would, I believe God says something a little bit different to us. In fact, the word for the church in Greek, in the New Testament, the word for the church is the Greek word ekklesia. How many of you know what ecclesia means? It means called out ones. So almost by definition, God is saying that if you're going to be the church, you're going to be called out. There's going to be a separation between you and the world system. And that occurs not geographically. He's not saying I'm going to take you out of the world. But He says I'm not going to make you a part of the world. You're in the world, but you're not of the world system. And that's the kind of thing that Paul talks about. When Paul writes to the Christians at Rome, he says, I don't want you to be conformed in your mind to this world, but I want you to be transformed in how you think, how you process, and how you feel about things. All of this stuff, and every one of us has it, all of this stuff of our upbringing impacts us, and it sticks to us like glue. Mindsets that you're not even aware of. Sometimes they don't come out until you're old and you begin to lose some of your filters and things begin to creep out and you say, where did that come from? That, you, that was never in you. It was still stuff that was bred into you when you were young that sticks inside of your soul. And you can sanitize it. But God wants to do more than that. God wants to actually change it from the inside out. All of us have stuff that influences us. It wants to drag us back into the old way of thinking that was the way in which our culture raised us. And God says, in order for me to get you into the arena of blessing, you've got to change how you think. You've got to change how you process things in life. I don't believe that means for us, necessarily, a geographic move. But I think it does mean God wants to untangle us from the world system. Where the things that the world values aren't necessarily the things that we value. So that, And I'll just say this, even though I know it will be unpopular with some of you, I want to suggest that some of you, even in this room, have greater allegiance to the United States of America than you do to the kingdom of God. And the way in which it comes out is how you talk about things. 
Does that mean I don't think we shouldn't be grateful to live in this country? Of course I am. I've traveled around the world, and every time I come home, I'm really grateful to be here. That God allowed me to be raised here and to live here. I really am. But the kingdom of God is our citizenship. It's where we belong. And that's the kind of thing God wants to do inside of us that we don't fight using the world system. We fight using spiritual forces that are around us in the Holy Ghost. So the first thing he says is you need to get out of your culture. The things that have influenced you. The things that have stuck to you like glue. And that needs to be broken off of you. Then the second thing he says is he wants to call us out of those things that have captivated you or controlled your appetites. I'm calling them for my sake affections. Things that you used to love. The patterns of your life where all too often you feel stuck. Uh, when I was uh, a young teenager growing up, uh, my parents started going to a church. And in this church, in order to break the power of the culture and our affections, they actually began to prescribe for us appropriate hair length, hair style, the clothes that we wore. It even got down to the point that if you were a real Christian, you had to have a certain translation and kind of Bible. Everybody in the church. I could, I could promise you, if you went to this church back in the early 70s, if you went to the church, every adult male and most teenagers had all the same Bible, the same version, and the same kind of Bible. It was a Thompson chain reference King James Bible. So that when I graduated from high school as a teenager, that was my graduation gift from my parents because everybody had to have the same Bible because we needed to break the affections you had with the old life. So how you dressed, how you spoke, how you looked, all of it mattered, and we were going to prescribe it to you. And when somebody would come in that was brand new to Christ, and they didn't look like the rest of us, there was pressure put upon them to conform, to break the old system and enter into the new system. And sometimes that pressure was subtle, sometimes it wasn't so subtle. I mean, we had things like we had a, uh, um, a yardstick taped to the door as you came into the church to make sure that your dress or your skirt wasn't too far off the floor. And when you would come in and you had on, because this is how you used to live when you were in the world, this was how you were raised, you came in and your skirt was too high, people would scowl at you and let you know you were immoral and you needed to change. Well, I want to suggest to you that though you can change external things like that, you don't necessarily change the heart. And that ultimately, as a church here, at Family Life Church, I don't want to post a new Ten Commandments on the wall. I recognize that many of you live differently, you have different views, different perspectives. I think that's one of the things that God loves about His body, His family, is there's great diversity. In fact, I would suggest to you that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is really not so much about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I would suggest to you that 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and chapter 14 is more about diversity than anything else. The fact that God loves the uniqueness of everybody's gifts. I don't think it's an exhaustive list. I think it's God saying, I love it when my people come together and there's so many differences. But when you put them together, something beautiful is made. 
So it's not something that's imposed upon you. But I would suggest to you that though we don't post a yardstick on the door back there, that as surely as the Word of God still exists and the Holy Ghost still exists, God still does speak to people about how they dress, how they speak, how they do everything. Uh, I, I thought it was interesting. I can remember years ago, we had uh, a dear sister in the Lord who got saved. I mean, radically saved. I mean, she got saved, saved. I'm not just talking about saying this in her spirit. She got saved. But when she would come to the church, she dressed the same old way she always dressed. Everything was the same. But she was saved, and I can still remember the day she came in, and she had cut her hair differently. And I didn't think too much about it, but immediately, Karen said, something's going on inside of her heart. Something shifted. Without anybody saying anything to her, everybody just continued to love her. But something had begun to change because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Not because we impose something, but because God chose to do something new in her. Over the years, people have bemoaned the fact that um, the blessing of God upon their life isn't quite as much as on somebody else's life. And I want to say, first of all, this is nothing that you can compare. There's no comparison thing in the kingdom like that. But I do think sometimes the reason why we don't experience the blessing of God at the level that we want is because we choose to try to live the same old way that we used to live. Um, it, it's the, the only way I could think about it that would maybe help you, it would like being married now, but trying to keep an old boyfriend on the side. You can't live the same old way while you're married to a new person. Or maybe the better way of saying it is, you can't keep one foot in the world and one foot in God. You have to make a choice. It's all in. And that's kind of what I believe God was saying to Abraham. If you're going to have my blessing come down upon you, you have to get into the arena where the blessing's coming. Get under the canopy of the blessing. But in order to do that, you have to come out of the things that used to captivate you, used to hold your heart. And I can guarantee that not only when God spoke to Abraham about that geographic move, He wasn't just talking about things that would captivate you. He was also talking even about people. There are times when relationships can become an entanglement to us. And I know there's going to be somebody here who's going to say, well, aren't we supposed to love the world? Well, I think you're supposed to love the people in the world. But I don't think you're supposed to love the world that's in the people. And I think that's one of the dangers that we get into in life. I've watched it over and over again over the years. Old friendships, old associations soaking people and then causing them, as they come to Christ, they get saved. But then they want to keep that old relationship and pretty soon it sucks them back into the old way of life. And then they wonder why they're not walking in blessing. It can be old things in your lives. Maybe for you, uh, I was trying to think about what are the things that kind of entangle us sometimes that bring us back into it. I was talking to somebody this morning who was talking about uh, stock car racing. Maybe for you, it's that. But getting back into that same old crowd sucks you back into old systems. Maybe for you it's not that. Maybe it's something else. I don't know what kinds of thing it is, but what is the thing that might actually be keeping you out of the arena of the blessing of the Lord. And then thirdly, he says, get out of your father's house, which I said to you, I believe speaks about family systems that continue to affect you today. And I want you to think about this. This is, this is, 
if I, if I had to plant myself anywhere, this is where it would be. How many of you have things that you were raised with in your family, the way you were thought about, the way you were spoken to, that still affect you today? That are like, uh, uh, almost like this cloud hangs over your life that you want to get unstuck from. But the second you get back around that family, it's like you're sucked right back into it. This is just who you are. You're just the kid. Or whatever terminology they used for you. You were the baby of the family, and you will always be the baby of family. And we, we attribute names to people. One of the names, uh, one of my sisters, I won't tell you who it was, but when she was little, she would crawl, and she didn't know that things in her way are things that you're supposed to go around. She just didn't know it at that age, and so she would push her way through it and get upset because those things were in her way. Well, my parents began to call her bulldozer. And that carried right on. All the way up through life. But for her, that began to be something that was a negative. Because it was like, okay, you've got no grace to you. You you just bumble through life running into stuff. And for some of us, that's the kind of thing that sticks to us. It's almost like you live in a prison determined by your family. And every time you get around them, you slip back into the old way. And for some of you, you're here today and you're saying, when am I ever going to be free of this stuff? When am I ever going to know the full blessing of God that breaks the old yokes of family systems? Well, I've got good news for you today. The Word of God says, Jesus said, the axe is laid to the root of the tree. And I believe that God comes by His Spirit when we come to Him in humility in desperation, I believe he comes with the sword of his spirit and he begins to dig down. But he's not just cutting away little roots. That might be for a while. But for me, all I can think of is the picture when I was a kid and my dad would pay me to get the locust stumps out of our fields. I don't know if you've ever dealt with locust trees at all. But one of the interesting things about locust trees, beyond the fact that they're very thorny and they're not fun to work with, is that they have not only a... a, a uh, what is it called uh, of roots, the root system? What's that called? Root bed? Is that what it's called? Ball. Okay. They not only have a root ball, but they have one of the deepest tap roots you could ever imagine. I can remember pulling for all we're worth with the tractors. I mean, I've cut all the side roots. Pulling with the tractor far enough so I can get it pulled over so I can get down to the tap root. I believe God wants to dig down to our tap roots and begin to change things in how we even view ourselves. Maybe you were born physically into a family that wasn't so great. But now in Christ, you're born spiritually into a family that changes everything. And for some people, that family system affects how they think. They, they say things like this. And I've had people say it to me. Well, I, I'm, I'm married, but I'm, I just don't know how long it'll last because in our family... I don't know anybody who's not divorced. Everybody gets divorced in our family. As a believer, this is the kinds of things that they're thinking. Or, in my family, I don't know anybody who lived past 50 years of age. Everybody died young of cancer. So I guess that's just, you know, I guess that's what, that'll be my lot in life. But the truth is, though you were born into that family physically, you're now born into a new family. You're born again. And that old system doesn't have to come out. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to Karen about it. I can't tell you how many times I find myself 
slipping back into some old thinking. And it comes out in our marriage, it comes out in my words, and how I think, even to the point where I have recently been thinking about the fact, well, my dad died at 61 years of age. And guess how old I am? 61. And that can begin to invade your thoughts. And it can even begin to control you. That's the kind of thing I believe God wants us to get out of. And then that summons of the Spirit, where? Where, where are we called to? He says, to a land that I will show you. He says, I'm going to take you to a place that you can't reach on your own, but when you get there, I'm going to show it to you. And it's going to be the blessing of God. And one of the best verses, I think, in this whole portion is it says just a couple of verses later, Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. And the world would say, that's crazy. But I think it's crazy to live the same old way and expect that anything's going to change. He said, I'm going to take you to a land you don't know. But when you get there, you'll know it. How will you know it? Because it'll look like, it'll smell like, it'll sound like God. And for some of you here today, and I speak to myself as much as to anybody, for some of you here today who have voices that go on in your head, that speak regular lies, we need to learn to distinguish between, does that voice in our head sound like God? Does it smell like God? Does it taste like God? And when it doesn't, we need to recognize where it's coming from. That God wants to break that in our lives and bring us into a new land. The world sees a person who has decided to follow God in God's way as having lost their grip on reality. I was listening to somebody just recently online. One of our congressmen espousing the idea that to be a Christian in this modern day and age is crazy. It's insane. Well, I want to suggest to you that that might be how the world looks at it. But I think the truth is, we haven't lost a grip on reality. We've gained a destiny in God. We've gained who He has intended us to be from the beginning. It's not just pie-in-the-sky ideas. I've got good news for you. Our destiny is established by God in heaven. He has made a witness for us, and He has said, this is true, I put my name at stake. But it's not just that you have it in the sweet by and by. He says, I'm going to give you that way of life today. That you can know the blessing of the Lord. Some of you might remember um, in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, there's a, a kind of out-of-the-way verse. It's like it's kind of inserted, and you say, well, what does that got to do with anything? But I really like it. And, and here's what it says. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. But his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Now, it might not be so much in your life, but back in that day, you named kids what you wanted them to become or what you thought they would become. Names meant something. And this mother named her son, literally, pain in the butt. That's what she named him. She said, Everywhere you go, you cause pain. So think about it. Think about it from his perspective. Names meant something. So that you see the name Jabez, but for them, Jabez meant something. In the same way that my mother-in-law's name, Maphis, means strawberry. So if you say Maphis to a Welshman, they're going to think strawberry. In the same way, 
when you said the name Jabez in that day, what the people heard was, everywhere you go, you leave pain behind. But Jabez did an interesting thing. That next verse says this, So Jabez called on the God of Israel. And that's what we need to do. No matter what our family has said about us, we need to call on God. It says, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil and that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he had requested. Jabez didn't allow his family pronouncements or his past failures to determine his future. And I think God's calling us to that as well. Say, no matter what your past has been, he has already pronounced the future for you. He says, I am going to bless you as I have blessed my servant Abraham. Now, we've looked at the people of the blessing, we've looked at the period of the blessing, and now we've looked at the place of the blessing. I want to finish today with just looking briefly at the power of the blessing. He says in verse 2 of chapter 12 of Genesis, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I told you last week that that word blessing in the Hebrew Old Testament comes from the Hebrew word barak, which literally means the bending of the knee. Or it also has this idea of kneeling under the weight of the presence of God in humility. So the way I want to do this is, uh, Stephanie, could you come and help me for a minute? It's this idea of the immensity of what God has pronounced coming down upon you. So, Stephanie, would you come over here, and if you would, would you kneel right here? Okay. So, how many of you guys know Stephanie? Okay. How many of you think that Stephanie ought to be blessed? Yes. Right? Is she not daughter of God? In the lineage of Abraham? Worthy of all the same inheritance that God gave to Abraham. But the way in which it happens is this. When we talk about blessing, it literally means the hand of God coming down. Can I touch your hair, by the way? Okay. Some ladies, you know. Uh. The hand of God. The hand of God coming down upon the head. Now, how many of you have ever gotten prayer before? And people have put their hands on you? How many of you have found after a while the hand begins to get heavy? And you're thinking, I don't know how long I can stand like this because I'm getting tired holding my hands like this while you're holding me down. That's the idea of blessing though. It's the hand of God that gets heavier and heavier in the blessing. The hand of God coming down upon you. Interestingly, by the way, the word for curse is, is the Hebrew word arar. arar. And it means a lightning of the hand. Isn't that interesting? It's not that God's mad at you. It's you've gone out from underneath the hand and you begin to feel it less and less. But the blessing is when the hand comes down upon you. That's the blessing. So what I want to do, and I would like you to bow your heads if you would with me, we want to pronounce blessing over our sister. A real blessing. Okay? So if you would extend your hand towards her. Because in a way, you're saying, I bless my sister in the name of the Lord. So, Close your eyes. Let's do it together. Father, in the strong and mighty name of Jesus, our Savior and Lord, 
I speak the blessing of the Most High God over Stephanie. I bless her, Lord, with the smile of your countenance, with the abundance of your provision, with the strength of your life, with the healing grace that you have provided in Jesus' name. Surround her with the increase of your favor and lift up your countenance upon her that she might know not only your favor, but your pleasure. And we pray this, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, that's the blessing of the Lord. Okay, you can stand up for a minute, but just stand over here for just a minute if you would. That's the blessing of the Lord. That's not lightness where there's the withholding or the bringing away from. And it's not that God takes His hands off, it's that you move out from underneath it so that the weight of the hand is no longer felt. That's the blessing. And if it were just to end there, that would be great. But He doesn't end there. God says this, look at verse 3. I will bless those who bless you. How many of you were part of those? I will bless those. I had my hand upon her. God was blessing her, but you become a part of the those. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He starts out with, I bless those. God is saying that when people bless in the name of the Lord, they themselves receive something. There's a blessing that goes with you blessing. But then he says, I will curse him, singular. Because he knows that just as the fountainhead of all blessing is from God Himself, it might come through my hand or your hand, but the fountainhead, the source, is God. In the same way, the source of all cursing is the evil one, Satan himself. And God is saying that though people might curse you, there is a source of that curse. And it's Satan. And he says, I'm going to curse. In other words, he's going to say, no weapon that he forms against you shall be able to prosper because I put my hand upon you. But then he finishes that verse with this. And he says, in or through you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So I need some more help. Um, Luke and Debbie, would you come on up? Quickly. Because I am timed. Thank you. Would you both kneel right here side by side? The Scripture says, the Scripture says that as we are blessed, it's not just so that we can receive. We're not to acquire and to hoard the blessing. We're to give it away. We're to become channels or conduits of the blessing. So, because of the fact that now Stephanie has sat under, knelt under the presence and blessing of Almighty God, God now calls her to bless. So I'm going to ask you again, how many of you would like Luke and Debbie to be blessed? Okay, would you extend your hand towards them in blessing? But I'm going to ask Stephanie to be the conduit of that blessing. So she's going to pray, pray blessing over them. Jesus. That your spirit would Jesus. go before them and make a path for their feet, God. Yeah. That you would open the doors that you <laughs> have for them to walk through, God. That your presence would be 
in them deep, and when they opened their mouths, I, it would be your words that are speaking. I pray, Lord, that what their hand touches would be blessed, what their feet touch would be blessed. Everything that they do, everything they set their life upon, God, you would put your blessing on them, and they would go forth and be seen with blessing in their wake. Amen. Thank you. Now, you two can be seated. Thank you. You're not blessed. No, you can still stand here. No, you two can go. She can sing. We need sound. So, the principle is, as you are blessed, you're to become a transmitter of the blessing. Now, how many of you want God's blessing upon your life? I can guarantee you, there's a place where that's going to happen. It's the arena of God's grace. But in order for it to happen, you have to be willing for it to flow through you, not stick with you. That's how it happens. But here's the interesting thing. He says this. He says, I'm going to bless those who bless you. So, here is our sister who has herself been blessed. She's sat under the weight of God's presence. But then she becomes a transmitter of it, as she did with Luke and Debbie. But because she blessed Luke and Debbie, God says, because she blessed you, I'm going to bless her again. So would you kneel? That's what God says. I know, it sounds ridiculous. I mean, how much does any one person deserve? Is that what it is? Is this a comparison? How good is Stephanie today? Well, today, you know, she kind of scowled at Josh, so she can't get as much blessing. Is that what it is? Is this a performance? Or is this truly that by grace, God just says, I'm going to bless you anyways. I'm going to pour it upon you. And by the way, I have this picture of God. It's like we're sitting at this table that He's prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. All the world stands opposed. Family systems, cultures, affections stand opposed. But in the presence of those, He prepares a table. And He comes and He takes that goblet. Because in the New Covenant, there's actually good wine. Good wine. He takes that goblet and He says, would you like a drink? And you say, sure. And He begins to pour. And He pours and He pours and it begins to flow. And you think, Jesus, wait a minute, stop! And He just smiles. He says, I've got plenty more. That's what He says. So, would you extend your hand towards Stephanie again? Father, once again, in obedience to Your Word and the authority that is witnessed before heaven and earth, we declare blessing over our sister. The blessing of the Lord that makes rich and adds no sorrow. That she would know that she walks in the very presence of the living Christ. That when she awakens in the morning and her eyes begin to flutter and her mind begins to come back from that cocoon of rest, she would know the nearness of your presence and that you stick with her all the day long until she lays her head upon her pillow and in her dream she becomes more aware of. In fact, Father, I'm asking in your blessing that you would make her dreams come alive to the truths of the kingdom of God. Let her know health and strength and energy and wisdom beyond herself. We bless her in the name and person 
in the authority of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Stephanie, for being willing to serve. God bless you. Here is a major point I want you to get. Okay, if you're taking notes, take this down. Blessings attract blessings. Some of you are saying, how come I don't seem to get it? There is a very simple way in which it works in the kingdom of God. As you bless. As you truly bless. I'm not talking about flattery. I'm not talking about nice doublespeak. I'm talking about true blessing. As you bless, God promises. He promises He will bless you. That's His promise. You want an increase of blessing? Begin to bless. And pretty soon you'll realize you can't contain how much God has. He will pour more and more through you. And you say, Pastor, you don't know who I have to live with. You don't know what my spouse is like. You don't know what my coworkers are like. Here's my, my suggestion to you. Bless anything you can. Bless them with your forgiveness if they've hurt you. Bless them with mercy because evidently they need mercy. Bless anything that you can bless. Become a professional blesser. Look for ways to bless people with your prayers, with your words, with your giving. Find ways to bless people. And as you do, God's going to pour more, not only on you, but more through you. That's His promise. But what we started with, I want to end with. You can't give what you don't got. That's the principle in the kingdom. You can only give out what you have received, what you possess. So the first thing is, recognize that you're blessed. Walk in that blessing. Why are you blessed? Not because you're so good, but because you're of the seed of Abraham. And he said, every inheritance that I give to him, I'm giving to you. Because it's a timeless promise. Uh, I was thinking in the last week and a half, two weeks, about the things that Karen and I have gone through in our lives, in our marriage, in our family, in our ministry. And I have to tell you, there have been some shakings. Have you had some shakings in your life? Some things that you never anticipated it would happen the way that it is? And it's like, oh, Jesus, help us. Well, we've gone through some things and we've been shaken to one degree or another. And I have to tell you that sometimes that what comes out of me in the shaking is not always the best. And I have to come back to God for fresh mercy, fresh help, fresh strength, fresh courage. But one of the things I can tell you is true. As best as I know my own heart and mind, at the end of it all, whether I see the end yet or not, I come back to the place of saying, I believe with all of my heart, God is good. He's going to cause goodness to abound toward me and toward my family. I believe that Karen and I, in our marriage, I believe my children and my grandchildren, I believe this church is blessed. Not because we're so great, but because He is. That's what it's about. 
It's never about us patting ourselves on our own back and saying, look at us. It's not because we use the blessing as a trophy of accomplishment. It's another acknowledgement of God's great goodness to us. We always come back to, I don't understand, but I trust. I trust you. I trust your kindness. I trust your goodness. And again, sometimes in the midst of it, some not great stuff comes out. And we humble ourselves afresh and we say, Lord, I still got some stuff that's entangling me from my family or from the culture or from my past affections. And I need you to break that through the means of your blessing. That's what God does. Would you bow your heads with me? I want to bless you in the name of the Lord. I know that for some of you these are just words, but I mean sincerely this. I pray and pronounce the Lord's blessing upon you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and forever. I pray it and I pronounce it in the name of the Lord as one blessed blesser to another. God richly bless each and every one of you. May you know as I prayed over Stephanie, not just his favor, but his pleasure. I've been feeling that more and more today. His pleasure. His pleasure. He delights in you. His pleasure. I bless you in his holy name. Amen. This morning, we have the privilege of having our helps team. Uh, if you guys are a part of that, you can come on up and take your place. But this is really an opportunity that we give 